want to talk to you just for a minute or so, probably 25 minutes on the nearly man. I've seen men that were nearly men. I've seen men that couldn't make decisions on their own because their family, their father always made decisions for them. I've seen wealthy men that had children. I've seen pastors that had children that their, their children never became the man that God wanted them to be. They had ever so much the dream that the father had, but because they weren't allowed to make the decision, they as individuals, you know, could not become the man that God wanted them to be. I'm married to a preacher's kid. I don't know where, oh, she's back there. Micah, didn't, didn't Alice do a great job last night? Did she read your mail? Amen. Dr. Mike, stand up. Dr. Mike teaches doctoral students up at the University of Louisiana, Shreveport. And they're wonderful friends of ours. And they drove all the way down here from Shreveport, just been these services. And he's got a busy schedule. He's a very well-respected educator. He's a doctor. Alice is a doctor. They have more degrees than a thermometer. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amaze me. I liked it when he went off to Harvard for one of those summer prop programs that educators have. He brought me back a big sweatshirt and said, my son goes to Harvard. <laughs> Hallelujah. I wore it proudly. Amen. My son goes to Harvard. You know, a lot of times in a meeting like this, it's a turning point for a church. What we've done may seem ridiculous. People ask me, what is that you do called? They don't have a name for what I do. Because they're so framework to think that God has to move in a certain way. Hey, I've seen times in our church where God moved where we would come and nobody would speak. They'd just come and what that presence that you felt as God comes, oh my goodness, just, they would just come and sit in silence. They would, they would come and they would, they would just lay out before God, nobody doing anything. I don't mean for, you know, a one hour tour. I mean for six and seven hours. I've seen at four o'clock in the morning, you know, two or three hundred people still crammed in the building in a prayer line waiting for the touch of God. Those times, God worked miracles. And, and, and there's, there's a world beyond what all of us know. There's a world beyond what I know. I understand that. And so what God is doing, he is moving by his spirit. What we need to do is learn to ask the right question behind the question. The question behind the question is as important as the question asked. You may want to write these things down because you're going to be too cheap to buy the CD. <laughs> said ain't so, Joe. Said ain't so. Tell me you didn't say that just now. It's free right now. Oh, y'all's is free? <laughs> What's the matter, you? <laughs> and so I want this to be a sealer moment because... I really believe I've got a word for this house, the nearly man. How many of you have ever seen, you know, great ministers fall? You had the heartache of that. You wonder why you felt you didn't go. You didn't even send a nickel in, but you felt so bad. 
Well, one reason you feel because of the shame it brings to the body of Christ. Another reason you feel bad is you know that he was a nearly man. He hadn't risen to what he could be. He's kind of like Judas. Judas was a nearly man. King Agrippa was a nearly man. There, there are nearly men all the way through the scripture that, that leave us with an understanding and a feeling of heart, heartache. And so I want to ask some right questions behind the question. There's not a chance that this church will reach its full potential until the people stop blaming each other and start practicing personal accountability. What, what would keep you as a nearly person? Look, I pastored down in this part of the world. I'm telling you right now. They had my, may have had Texas on their automobile plates, but they have the same spirit. It's just something that comes through regions of the country. And this church will never reach its full potential. And you'll never reach your full potential until you stop blaming each other and start practicing personal accountability. Stop and think about it. I know I've gone, quit preaching and gone to meddling already. I know that. Number two. The church will never reach its full potential. It'll always be a nearly church. It's just, just a portion of what God wanted it to be. Until we take care of the little things while they're still little. You don't wait till the little things get big. You take care of the little things while they're still little. Turn around and tell somebody, we got to take care of the little things while they're still little. Number three, it'll never reach its full potential until you have a sense of ownership. My dad was the kind of guy raised in the Depression as an orphan. He was the kind of guy that we used to have parking meters in Texas in the, city, in the county seats. Forward. Dallas has parking meters. Didn't have all the parking lots then. Didn't have so many people. And so we had parking meters. My dad would drive around a block for 30 minutes to find a parking meter with a little bit more time on it. And then he would take the nickel out. He had sharp fingernail. He could, his fingernail was thick. I know that's an interest some of you, but his fingernail was real thick. He had to find his way through life. His fingernail was thick. He was an iron worker. His dad was a blacksmith. He worked around a blacksmith shop. They took me back to the town where my dad was raised. They came to the city fathers dead on the street, and they said, you're not going to raise another Cletty Keith in this town. My dad's fingernail was so sharp, he could slice your throat with it. He had to fight. And what happens is, is that you never see great churches become great churches until people have a sense of ownership. That you have a feeling, man, I bought into this. I own this. When I came in, I came in to stay. I'm going to bloom where I planted. It's a commitment of the head and the heart and the hands to fix the problem and never again affix blame. You see, people that are always blaming people are proving to you they have not taken ownership. I own my house. And when the plumbing goes bad, 
I don't affix the blame. I take care of it. Y'all getting this picture? So these are the right questions uh, behind the question. What does it take to keep from being a nearly church or a nearly man? There's young people. They, they always want to blame daddy, blame mama, blame this one, blame the family. You know, blame whoever. You know, I use a little French every once in a while because uh, my family was French. You know what I'm talking about, French? I'm not talking about speaking Michel. I'm talking about using little, you know, language, speaking French. And so you got to stop and think about this. Number four, is it better to be one who is told to wait than one who waits to be told? What's better? What's best? You want to be a church? You want to be, I mean, let's go for it. You owe the world on the outside of this building an encounter with God as our Savior's church in Jennings. You, you owe the world. You, you need to begin to take responsibility for that. If somebody starts coming to you and blaming somebody for something, you go tell Bubba. Bubba, go lovingly to him. He's a pastor. He really is a pastor. And while I'm on that, as long as he has strength and health, if he feels like he needs to go somewhere, he needs to take two or three of you guys with you. I've taken thousands of people to missions fields, and some of them don't ever find their way home. One of them lives in Israel right now, and he looks out over the Dome of the Rock, he prays and leads the 24-7 prayer ministry there. I'd rather have him praying for me than the Pope. <laughs> Y'all with me? I just want to just take this slow and then I'm going to pick it up. I'll get in second gear in a little bit. If you've not changed, what have you learned? Y'all wish I'd have quit doing this right now? I mean, is your husband, does he still leave his socks, on, you know, hanging on the floor? Don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> the chuckle did it. She liked that. Y'all understand what? If you've not changed, what have you learned? Is that good preaching? I'm just asking the question behind the question. What's the question? Why haven't you changed? You've not changed. Why, what have you learned? Mike, Dr. Mike, do you like this? You going to use this? I thought, I knew you would before I came in here. Michelangelo said this. He said, I saw the angel in the marble, marble and I chiseled until I set it free. I mean, we want this place to be a place where when people walk in, there's an angel in the marble. And we want to chisel it until we set it free. We want to be able to see what others can't see in you. Did you ever feel that one of your parents, a teacher, a coach, a friend, a pastor, had a chisel, chisel in their hand and they were using it on you? <laughs> Is that Mr. Bubba's got a chainsaw?
I'm making an error. <laughs> Y'all getting this? Well, you know, that, that, that guy hurt me this morning. I don't even know you. Matter of fact, I got over you before I met you. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, Pastor Bubba can see in you something of your potential that you can't see. Today I see more than an angel in the marble. I see the image of God. God has sent me here to help this church go beyond being a merely a nearly church. I want to be merely a nearly church. One guy was having trouble with his wife down here in Louisiana. And he went to his buddy and he said, Pal, he said, my wife's calling all the shots. She's on my back 24-7. She don't let me rest. I come home tired from work. She's got chores for me to do like I was her kid. His buddy said to him, said, shame on you for letting a mere woman treat you like that. His comeback was he said, if you knew my wife, you'd know she's not a mere woman. <laughs> And so what happens is, is that there are people in the Bible that don't realize that even Saul, 1 Samuel 13, 1 through 5, I'm not going to go there and read it because we've taken a lot of time this morning. In God's mind, Saul, King Saul was a deliverer from the beginning. But he was a nearly man. And you're something special in God's eye. But it's going to be you that determines if you become all that God wants you to be. Some of you are hurting now while I'm talking. I feel it. I can feel your reaction to this. Hey, you are just a little more difficult piece of marble. And God, God's not giving up on you. He doesn't do that. That's not God's nature. You're his creation. Saul was a nearly man. Lot was a nearly man. Y'all understand? And that's Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. What if Abraham, Abram had refused to take Isaac to the mountain? What if Jacob had refused to persevere and wrestle with the angel at night? What if Esther had not accepted her assignment? What about Ruth? She had become nearly what God wanted them to be, and she wouldn't have been the great-great-grandmother of David. I mean, not in the lineage. Due to continue to be an outsider. I'm just telling you right now, I believe this is the word for the church. Last night, I spoke on something totally different. I spoke on the in-betweeners yesterday. And, and I know that perplexed some people, but that's where people are content to live. And you will never change what you're content to live with. Say, I will never change what I'm content to live with. The man at the pool of Bethesda, crippled, had to be carried there. He could have been a nearly man. He said to him, he said, you know, do you want to be healed? He said, sir, I have no man 
He said, rise. He nearly would have gotten his healing, but he got his healing. You wouldn't believe how many times I believe I've been in meetings. I've been, I've been in meetings where God, the manifestation come that they were healed, and they went back because they'd been locked into doubt and unbelief so long, and they'd sat down, and that would leave them. I was preaching not so long ago, and I remembered a, an experience I had in Pasadena, California. Till Osborne was there. I was 19 years old. He had a great healing ministry and tremendous missionary. He did his biggest things at Christmas. He would go to the mission field at Christmas because Jesus' name was on the lips of everyone. Isn't that brilliant? Around the globe. He knew that. He took advantage of that. He'd have his Christmas early, and then he would go have Christmas. Some people couldn't do that because they, there's a way we've always done it. But he had been a nearly man if he hadn't got that revelation from God. Just been nearly the great missionary he was. But he had a revelation. I was preaching. I'd been in a meeting where Till Osborne was. And there was a woman that was sitting over in the side. And I was sitting back in the back. And it was a bleachered kind of, you know, theater style seating. And this woman got up. She was in great pain. She went up and got the healing line. And she came back just the way that she was. And she sat down. And I, I was a little bit, you know, just a young Christian. I was a little bit perplexed at this point. I came there to see miracles take place. I, I guess I prayed for on my breath. I don't know. I don't remember. But she sat down. And all of a sudden, I heard snap, pop, pop, snap, snap, pop, snap. She was just sitting across the aisle from me. All of a sudden, she began to come out of that injury. She came out of that paralysis. Her back began to snap and pop without anybody around her. She shouted to the highest heaven and came out of that chair. Twenty years before, he had been in a meeting with an evangelist. as just a nominal preacher. And he said the evangelist spoke to a demon-possessed, deaf and dumb boy. And when he did, he said, a thousand voices began to swirl around his head. He had never seen the power of the name of Jesus. He said, a thousand voices began to swirl around his head. T.L. Osborne's talking now. You can do that. You can do that. You can do that. I didn't know that story. But that day, when I sat there and I watched that woman come out of that paralysis and that pop, pop, snap, pop, and I could hear it. I saw her stand up to her feet completely healed. A thousand voices began to go around my head, swirling around my head, saying, you can do that, son. You can do that. You can do that. What if I hadn't heard the voice? What if I hadn't listened? What if I hadn't jeoparded my life? What if I hadn't taken the risk of taking? What if I hadn't gone to places where God sent me to go? I went in behind the iron curtain before it was, the wall was down. I went and made out my will, kissed my precious wife back here, not thinking I would ever get back. I would have the Holy Ghost to tell me to stay and not to move. And everybody, it's iron curtain Christians behind the iron curtain, the leaders, I would tell them, I'm not going. God spoke to me to stay right here. They said, well, you'll be safe. They had never been stopped before. They had two of the KGB road stops on that road. They had to put us in prison. My wife would have never, my children would have never seen me. My life would have been over. But I heard the voice of God. 
See, if God gives you a call, he gives you the herewith to do with. How many of you want some herewith to do with? But there's a thousand voices swirling around this church right now. I'm telling you, there's a thousand voices swirling around our minds and our hearts saying, church, you can do this. You don't have to be just nearly what I intended for you to be. I wonder if there are people in this church that want Christ to receive from this body of believers all that he died for. Is he getting from this church everything that he died for? Oh, my God. Get a hold of that. I just want to run right now. I want him to get everything he died for. I want him to look down and see it here in Jenny's. said, that's what I died for. I died for the healing. I died for the salvation. I died for the infilling. I died for the prosperity. I died for the families and the marriages. I died for them. See, if you're a nearly man, you'll not be like David. David blew it. David blew it. You can be a public success and a private failure. But the secret to David is found in 119, 148. His violence for heaven was boiled up into a zeal. Telling you right now, I pray that the violence of heaven will be boiled up in you into a zeal. I pray that the violence of heaven will boil up in this church into a zeal. Psalms 119, 139, he said, the zeal of the Lord's house has eaten me up. I want to quit with this. Paul said, I forget those things behind me and I reach forth to the things that are before me. That's a Greek word. And it's epictemenos. Epictemenos. And that Greek word signifies to stretch out your neck. It's a metaphor that's taken from a, a racer, has strained every limb. And he reaches forward right when he gets to the finish line. That's where we are. I'm going to finish strong, sweetheart. He gets right to the finish line. And he thrusts him. He reaches forth. That spirit's going to come up on this church. You're going to come. You're going to pray. You're going to think, oh, Lord, I've got to go down the house to pray. You're going to find you a spot. And heaven's going to know right where you are. You're going to absolutely do carpet time. You're going to cry out for souls. And all of a sudden, you're going to realize if the vision of this church is no better and no greater than Jenny's in this parish, then you're no good for Jenny's in this parish. God so loved the whole world. And that's why over the years, we've had sons and daughters that have come out of our church that have preached the gospel all over the world. I wouldn't have time to tell you all the stories. Our church is not a big church by any means, but it's a mega church in the eyes of the world because we send our sons and our daughters to fields, other places nobody wants to go. And they're prepared and they're strengthened because they don't want to be a nearly man. My God.
How would that be to live your life and just nearly been the husband that you should have been? I'm under conviction right now. I, I, I've been married 50 years. My wife doesn't have to go to purgatory. She's put up with me all these years. She's paid all the penance she needs. I don't even believe in purgatory. I'm going to tell you something else. I told my buddy Randy Lee to come down. He came to our 50th celebration. He looked at me. He said, got up before the people. He said, you know, Clady, 50 years. He's a black brother. He's the greatest guy in the world. Preached for us Friday night. 50 years you've been married now. 50 years. He said, brother, that takes a lot of turning the other cheek. <laughs> I want to nearly be the father. I mean, I pray over my son and my daughter. They're a handful. My daughter's like me. Can you imagine? I'm telling you right now. I, I pray. I pray over my son, my grandchild. I don't want to be a nearly good grandfather. I've spoiled him. Cameron, come here. Cameron, come here. I've spoiled him rotten. And I and I do anything. I don't want to be just nearly a good granddad. Y'all understand? He's our first grandson. You talk about spoiled. I'm going to tell you right now, the biggest, meanest, baddest alligator in Louisiana tried to do something to this boy. My wife sitting back there would take care of that alligator. <laughs> I don't want him to be nearly the man that God wants him to be. I don't want him to be nearly the minister that God wants him to be. I don't want him nearly, just came so close. His dad was All-American basketball player, but he's just one step away from the bigs. Just one step away, nearly. He lives with that in him constantly. He's still a great basketball player. He could jump over eight men and dunk a basketball. He's white. He's, he jumped from the free throw line and dunked the ball. I mean, he was a great basketball player. He can now. He's not built for speed. He's built for comfort now. <laughs> but I don't want him nearly to be the husband that God wants him to be. I don't want him just nearly to be the Christian that God wants him to be. Play the games the world plays. My God. What's come out from among them and be a separate mean anyway today? We kind of paint an ugly picture of that. But I want you to be everything, all the way. If it's the last time I've ever admon admonished him, that's what I would want to say to him. I want you to be nearly, just, I don't want you to be nearly the brother, nearly the uncle, nearly the cousin that you could be. I, I don't want you to be nearly the businessman that you could be. Y'all getting this? Yes. I don't want you to be just nearly the churchman that God wants you to be. And I want you to marry somebody that loves Jesus so much more than you do. Because if she doesn't, she's not going to be able to put up with you. <laughs> Amen.
Hallelujah. Say something. I have uh, nearly to say right now. And I'm not kidding. So it's not a, not a joke. I want you to say something. <laughs> nearly don't want to. Uh, Well, he, he wants me to say something. After I'm done, I'm sure you guys will wish that he didn't want me to say something. Um, you know, I, I've, uh, I've actually just come out of my, my first year in ministry. And, um, you know, I, I've learned a lot of lessons about people. And, and, you know, people really go through a lot of stuff. You know, people, um, especially, you know, I work with the college students in, in Lafayette. And, uh, and, and I, I didn't really realize, I didn't really realize how easy I had it. And, uh, and just to see, you know, the, the plight and the, the things that people are going through nowadays, um, I, I really see that God's always, you know, protected me. God's always, you know, really helped me. And I, I've always had the, a revelation from God that he would use me. And, um, and so I, I have a lot of faith. You know, I'm not sure even, you know, the, the plans that he does have for me. I'm not sure what, what that looks like, but, but I trust him. I really do trust him. And so I, I'm so thankful uh, to, uh, to our Savior's church and to Pastor Jacob and uh, Pastor Bubba and uh, all the great men of God that, uh, that God has given me and placed in my life. Um, but, but more than anyone, I would say my grandfather you know, I'm so thankful for him and, uh, and my grandmother in the back. And, uh, they, you know, they just celebrated 50 years of marriage and ministry together. And, uh, so, so, like I said, I mean, I've, I've seen God move and work in their life. And there's no telling how many people that that God's used them to touch and bless. And uh, are you guys blessed? Have you been blessed by them this way? Yeah. And so that's, that's been the greatest lesson for me, just to watch them and, and see that, you know, um, that they're, God blesses obedience, that God's love language is obedience. And uh, they're, they're two of the most obedient people to God I've, I've ever known. So I love you guys, and I thank you guys very, very much. How many opportunities have you had just to become a nearly man? Nearly what God wanted you to be? Near, nearly 100. <laughs> no, you've had a lot of opportunities. You know, and these young people yeah. are facing the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, even now, you know, I'm making decisions and, and stepping into, you know, you know, decisions that, that would affect, you know, the rest of my life. And what, what I would say is what you've always taught me is, you know, take the path that leads to peace. So, you know, whatever it is, you know, God, God moves many different ways. He moves through his word, moves through his spirit. He moves through, you know, men, men and women of God. So, you know, whatever it is you're, you know, choosing, whatever it is you're deciding, take the path that leads to peace. God is peace. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Cameron. 
probably going to knock me out when I get through this. He thought he wanted to be a country music star. And so he got him a band, and he played at places like the Whiskey A Go-Go in L.A. And then he thought, well, maybe I need to be a stand-up comedian. And so he went down to the comedy club in L.A., and he had two gigs there and thought, well, maybe I'd do better with my routine if I go over to Las Vegas. Not very many people can just do whatever they want to try. Then he's had other opportunities. Then he wanted to work with horses because when he was a kid, we gave him riding lessons. So he became one of the guys that trained horses, some of them $250,000, $500,000 quarter horses at the Los Angeles Equestrian Center. There's not anything that he couldn't put his hands on he didn't, couldn't do. I was not like that, Bubba. I was not like that. It's like David having so many, you know, possibilities, had so much talent. Where do I put my talent? Which way do I go? How, how do I get there? And they thought, well, I'm going to be in TV. And he was one on one of the crazy programs they have on television. My wife and I was praying every episode. Oh, God, help him now. Some people never get to do things like that. And then he came here, and he was with our Savior's church, and he got the privilege of being around great men like Mr. Bryant. He lived with him. Mark DeBorg, Claudia, he lived with them, lived in their house. He saw how people could be blessed. He, he, he knew how people could be blessed because his family moved him four doors from P. Diddy and five doors from Miley Cyrus, and saw all that world, the siren of this world, howling at him. You may never have those opportunities, but he had to say no and slam every door closed to become what God wants him to be. I said, when it comes to ministry, don't slam any doors behind you because you may want to walk through that door someday again. And the reason I'm telling you this, he could be a nearly man. He's a good illustration of somebody that could be a nearly man. How many of you don't want this church to nearly be what God wants it to be? How many of you want it to be everything? Some of you will leave. You don't have family, and you'll leave everything you have to the church. That happens in great churches. Some of you will never be able to see everything the church becomes and the greatness that God brings to it. There won't be any division in this church because you're going to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. And God's going to help this church become everything that God wants it to be. Now tonight, I'm going to pray for everybody. I'm going to lay hands on every single person and if it takes till 1 o'clock in the morning, take the school kids home. But come and get in the service. It starts at 6 o'clock. And I'm going to lay hands on every single person. And I'm going to break the power of hell off their lives. I'm going to pray that God will release them into everything that God wants them to do.
that you won't be stolen out of the house of God. I was stolen out of the house of God when I was 12 years old. When I was 19, I thought, dear God, I've got to say uncle. And I don't intend on turning back. I don't intend on stopping. I don't intend on giving up. I've had a romance with God. I've traveled the world. I've been in car wrecks where 13 people died and we walked away and 45 minutes later I was preaching to a couple of thousand people. I can tell you stories. I got hit in the mouth with an old boomer chained down a, you know, oak pallets. I've worked around, you know, loads all my life and I, I took that thing, had a cheater pipe on it, pushing it down. I knew better. I was leaning over, let the pipe slip out. The pipe slapped me in the mouth. That's when I was working in the streets of Houston. Had 90 stitches in my mouth, broke my teeth out whole, separated my, my neck from my, my head from my spine. I wouldn't even go to the hospital. I didn't want my wife to have to come to the hospital to find me. I wrapped a towel around me, around my head, walked down the hall, the, the driveway. I, look, you don't fight somebody you can't knock them out with a boomer that knocks all their teeth out and separates their neck from their spine. I don't know anything about giving up. I don't, I don't know anything about playing church. I don't know anything about this panty waist religion. I don't know anything about that. I'm willing to die for what I believe. I mean that. But I believe this church has got some metal in it. I believe it's got a spirit in it. I believe it's got tenacity in it. And I believe you can be everything that God wants you to be and that is to be like Jesus. Amen. 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 Is to be like Jesus. I, I, I want people around this community say those people go to OSC. Man, do you ever notice how those people remind you of Jesus? They're not gossiping. They're not crazy. We heard they were crazy, but they're not crazy. <laughs> Jesus. I've, I drank the best cup of coffee I've drank every time since I've been in Louisiana. I drank it right here. At, what's that place called? Clout, or what's it called? No. Oh, Java Jokes? Jokes. Jokes. Is she here? Where is she? Right there. Come here, Sister Joke. We're going to release you in a moment. If if you need me to pray for you this morning, can't come back tonight. I'll pray for you. I mean that. I mean that. What are they doing up here? I don't know. <laughs> She's looking at them with a wary eye. Like a duck flying over one of Bubba's blinds. <laughs> if you run with the footman, that's over in Jeremiah chapter 12. If you run with the footman, they've wearied you. Then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou dwellest, they have wearied you. What will you do at the swelling of the Jordan? The Lord would say to you, that swelling of the Jordan, 
those death to life experiences, the death of the dream is behind you. It's not in front of you. So you cast off fear. You literally cast it off. Just no worry about the future. It doesn't make any difference what you're going to do. You're blessed. And the favor of God is on you. And I pray there'll be certain days that you'll look around and everybody in our Savior's church will think, man, I want a cup of coffee. And they'll all think of it at the same time. And y'all sit around and just talking about Jesus. I pray that that will literally become a spot where people are saved, healed, and delivered. And people can come in there and get a jolt of coffee and a jolt of the Holy Ghost. Come on. All of those girls that have been faithful to work with you, you know, they're young. I pray that they'll just call you mama <laughs> because they need that. Be blessed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I do want to give an invitation. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord, I want you to get up and come down here right now. Look, people know what you've been doing. You do your sinning publicly, then you ought to do your confessing publicly. Not hiding in some box and confessing what you've done. You get it out. People see you for what you are. And you just get up and come down here. Give us the opportunity to pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you. You're not going to fall. You're just going to come and make things right with God. Just get up and come. It takes guts. I'm going to tell you right now, you won't break free from those things in your head. You won't break free from those thoughts that you have in your life if you don't come. This is your moment. Just get up and come. Your wife will go, dear God, I've been waiting for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, there's others. There's ten people that need to get up right now. Don't, don't hesitate because then you'll be mad at yourself for taking this service so long. <laughs> Amen. It's waiting on you. Just come on down here. Amen. Amen. Count them for me. How many we got up here? You got 11? Amen. 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 Anybody else should say, hey, Brother Cletty, God is dealing with my heart. See, that white sword's cutting right now. Cutting the tethers. Restraints. Restrictions off your life. You got some restrictions keeping you from being what God wants you to be, and you're going to continue to be a nearly man. Are you everything you want to be in God right now? Are you everything you want to be in God right now? I want you to get up here. I don't. I don't want you to be a nearly man. God's called you to preach, and you're not preaching that <laughs> you're a nearly man. God's called you to prophesy under the covering, under the wings of a snow white dove. Then you need to come up here. And and declare and break free where you can be everything God wants you to be. What these people are saying, all in. 
pushing my chips to the middle of the table. Anybody else wants to push your chips to the middle of the table? Amen. The gentleness of Jesus is here. There's three more people that God's dealing with your heart. I can feel your hearts thumping. Just get up and come. It's not a thing that you're being pointed out. That's not what it's all about. It's just about to get you free. The heart is pumping. I am the Cajun woman that curses when I get very mad. And it happened to me last night, as a matter of fact. So I'm answering to the Spirit of God that I want that broken in me. Because I do love God and I love people. But this is something that I struggle with. And my heart is just pumping like out of my chest. So is there anyone like me that is just, you're in love with God, but there's this fire that rises up on the inside of you when you get mad. You don't curse all the time, but it just, God, it comes out so ugly when it does come out. And I just, it's not that you're unloved by God, and it's not that you're not the righteousness of God. It's just that it's something that's a stronghold in your life that's been something that you've defended yourself with. It's not just the women, it's the men too. She's got more guts. She's, she's got more guts than you do. Amen. She's got more guts than you do. There may be somebody in here you need to ask to forgive, to forgive you. Just get up and go to them right now. The Holy Ghost is here. We're not doing this. Somebody that you've been angry at, bitter at. A woman screamed out so loud over Lafayette campus because a woman came down that had stolen her mother's husband from away, away from her. And God, this woman got under conviction, came down to get right with God. And this, this woman back in the back of the building, she screamed so loud, it scared the living daylights out of those nominal Our Savior Church people sitting in that big building. Telling you right now, the Spirit of God's moving. If God's dealing with you about something, don't sit back there. Let's let's not just be merely what God wants us to do. This is how you get it done. Come on, there's others. Get up. Come down here. We'll just make this a household thing. We're gonna keep this in the house. I mean, it's what's done in Jennings is kept in Jennings. <laughs> Come on, in Jesus' name. Listen to the Holy Ghost. I had a woman at the church one time. She came down. I was my uncle's associate pastor when it first started out. She said, Brother Roach, that's my wife's, my mother's maiden name, Roach. She said, Mother Roach. She said, Brother Roach. She said, uh, said uh, I, I got to lay my tongue on the altar. Well, he knew she gossiped. She was the biggest gossip in that entire city. <laughs> and he said, well, there's a 24-foot altar. Said, I'm not sure it's long enough. <laughs> she want to lay her tongue on the altar. You may, you may have problems like that. Come on, 
But what, what are we talking about? We're talking about this church becoming everything, not just nearly. They're not going to do this down at the Baptist church this morning. They're not going to do this down at the Methodist church this morning. They're not going to do this down at the Catholic church this morning. I'm telling you right now, I've got friends that are Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalians. I have to minister to some of those guys over the years because they have problems. They have problems because their people have problems. Drive them crazy. Some of you have got friends like that. You need to go bless them. Just bless them. They're the greatest people in the world. They're doing what they know how to do with what God has given them insight and light to see. There's six more people that need to get up and come right now. Come on. Your husband's going to ask you on the way home, didn't you hear that woman? Didn't you hear that woman? Did you hear that woman? <laughs> Come on, while the Spirit of God is dealing with you. One, two, one. Amen. Others, two, three, four. What in the world is this all about? Five. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. One more. One more. Now we're going to have a love fest. I want you to get up. Men, come down here and hug these brothers. Women, come down here and hug these ladies. That's how we're closing the church. You just come and love them and say, hey, I have been just exactly like you. I've gone through some of the same things you've gone through. Come on, just get up and come. Come on, just get up and come. Find you somebody just to hug their neck and bless them. I'm telling you right, fried chicken.